Our second reading that we have today is probably one of the most controversial readings in the cycle of readings. It's a reading that either brings a cringe or an elbow to the ribs when it's read. So I'm going to dive headfirst into it today. When it's understood correctly, this reading unpacks the beauty of the sacrament of marriage. I myself have witnessed countless times, either at weddings or in the general rotation of readings, that the preacher completely ignores this reading or chooses the shorter form that's available because the long reading's uncomfortable. One of my good friends during his wedding, instead of doing the traditional wedding garter toss, knelt, had his new bride remove her shoes, and washed her feet. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and handed himself over for her. Look at the difference between these two practices, that of the garter toss and of what in the washing of the feet. This first of the garter toss has lust and an unhealthy subordination written all over it. The second practice is not something that's over pious, but it's rather gets at the heart of the church's teaching on what the husband's role in marriage should be. This reading from St. Paul to the Ephesians draws out both the complementarity and the ordered relationship between husband and wife. We see this in attack in our world. Right? Ideologies that dismiss gender as a human construct and pit men and women against each other instead of being co-workers in the family. Pope Francis in 2015 meeting with the Puerto Rican bishops said this, the complementarity of man and women, the pinnacle of divine creation, is being questioned by so-called gender ideology in the name of a more free and just society. The differences between man and women are not for opposition or subordination, but for communion in generation, always in the image and likeness of God. What our Holy Father says here goes exactly what St. Paul is speaking of in his letter to the Ephesians. From the beginning of creation, God creates male and female. And it's in this beauty that we see husband and wife become an image of God. One of the analogies that's used for the Trinity is that of marriage, right? That the love between a husband and wife is so great that it begets a third person. It is in this context that St. Paul speaks to us today. Right? This reading isn't outdated. It's not irrelevant. It's not lost in a culture that is no more. Right? It is a teaching of marriage that must be faithfully adhered to by all Catholics. It's this line... Wives should be subordinate to their husbands that gets our modern sensibilities a little bit upset. 
Yet when reading this, keep in the back of your mind, or maybe at the front of your mind, what Jesus said to his disciples. I no longer call you slaves, but I call you friends. St. Ambrose, reflecting on this passage to the Ephesians, once said, You are not her master, but her husband. She was not given to you to be your slave, but your wife. Reciprocate her attentiveness to you and be grateful to her for her love. There is a mutual subordination here, if you will. Marriage cannot be done alone. Both husband and wife are equal in dignity. They are dependent upon one another. As God said in the beginning in Genesis, it is not good for man to be alone. Yet, men, I want to call you out here. Your call is to lay down your lives for your wife, for your family, as Christ laid down his life for the church. That's a high call. I've seen numerous times that there are men who live this out and live it out well. Yet, sadly, that's not the norm in the church at large. In our teaching of the church, there are two ends to marriage. The two ends to marriage are the procreation and the education of children and the good of the spouses. Both and all are the duties of both husband and wife. The education of children in the faith is not grandma's job. It's not mom's job. It's the job of husband and wife as co-workers. Yet way too often we see it as mom's job alone. There was a study done by Promise Keepers, and it found this. If a father does not go to church... Only 15% of the children are active in their adult lives. When dad attends and mom doesn't, 55% of adult children will continue in attendance. And when both mom and dad attend together with the family, 72% of children will continue their religious attendance into their adult years. I wish we could have that at 100, but 72 is a lot better than 15. This shouldn't surprise us, though. When the theology of St. Paul, which is the theology of the church, is lived out, children witness and experience the love of Christ for his church through their fathers, through their dads. I'm convinced that the crisis of vocations in the church, and I'm speaking of both vocations to the priesthood and holy marriages, is not a crisis of lack of programs or a lack of good worship. It's a crisis in Christian fatherhood. If I can point to one thing during my late high school and early college years, that allowed me to flourish and to grow in my faith. It was the involvement of Christian dads in our youth ministry program. 
Their witness showed me a lot about sacrifice and authentic faith. Their own witness of faith lived out in their marriage, pointed and magnified Jesus Christ's love for his church. Fathers, dads, get involved in the religious education of your children. want to exhort you to allow your lives to be an imitation of Christ's love for his church. Right? And the only way that our lives can become that imitation is if we have first come to encounter that love of Christ. That we've spent time in prayer. That we've spent time in study. That we've spent time in service. That you allow Christ to become the source of the strength in your marriage. Those vows were never meant to be lived on your own strength. It was always meant to live those vows out with the support of the grace, the mercy, and the love of Jesus Christ.